This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Officials in Ukraine are telling Ukrainians to evacuate the area near the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. The Zaporizhia power plant is the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe and third biggest in the world. And it's occupied by Russian uh, forces. So th- that, you know, makes uh, the situation so dangerous. Yevhenia Kravchuk, member of Ukraine's parliament. If uh, something happens, the result of it can be five times worse than um, a situation on Chernobyl power plant in the 80s. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Ukraine, the war. There's good news and there's bad news. First, the bad news. There's a nuclear power plant for the first time in history in the middle of a war zone. And the good news, Ukraine is fighting back against Russia and they're making some serious gains. But first, we start with the nuclear power plant, Zafarizia. We spoke with Yevhenia Kravchuk, who's a member of parliament in Ukraine, about the problem. Minister Kravchuk, thank you for taking time to join us today. I know you've got a lot going on and you're very busy every single day. uh, And today is no exception. And particularly, I want to ask you about the concerns regarding the Zafarizia nuclear power plant right now. We know that the, you know, it's been in the line of fire for a while now. What's the latest that you've heard about the situation there? Well, first of all, uh, we need to explain to um, uh, to the people that listen to us, uh, what is the Parisia power plant? Um, The Parisia power plant is the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe and third biggest in the world. And it's occupied by Russian uh, forces. Um, so th- that, you know, makes uh, the situation so dangerous. If uh, something happens, um, the, the you know, results of it can be five times worse than um, a situation on Chernobyl power plant in the 80s uh, of, of in the 20th century. Um, right now, finally, the delegation from the, this United Nations agency, which is responsible for, for atomic power, uh, came um, in, in, into the place. And the whole day, uh, there were provocations from Russian uh, army. Uh, they were shelling uh, um, again the city, which is close to the uh, power plant uh, in Arhodar. Even in some of the parts of the city, there is no electricity right now. Um, so we uh, hope that this delegation will not just you know, come as a polite visit for a few hours, 
uh, and uh, posed for, for the video cameras because Russians also took uh, their propaganda channels uh, showing and trying to show that, uh, um, you know, everything is fine and, and uh, they're talking to, you know, to people at the plant. Um, so we hope that, that they will be part of that delegation that will stay at the plant uh, because, of course, uh, what we want, Russians to leave. Uh, we see that the only way to kick them out is to counterattack in the south, but it will take time. Uh, by that time, uh, we need independent uh, experts to stay at the plant to make sure that uh, there'll be no violations from, um, from Russian soldiers and no more shelling. So we've been hearing that, you know, um, they were planning to stay. Um, I think the IAEA leader, uh, Rafael Grossi, said that they plan to establish a, establish a permanent presence there. Do you know what that permanent presence might look like? Would it be, to your knowledge, a full team like that or some other type of some other type of designation for a permanent presence? What would you like to see there? Uh, well, it's hard to say because it's uh, them to decide the number of people that could stay uh, at the power plant. Uh, but uh, we feel that the presence at all time uh, could be, uh, you know, a sort of a solution before we liberate uh, these atomic power plants because they can see with their own eyes and, and you know, ask questions. And also, uh, it is very important to make sure that the workers of the plant will not be harmed because uh, we uh, have information that uh, Russians were threatening them. Uh, they work in inhuman conditions because, uh, you know, there is a limited number of workers and they have to stay all the time on the plant. Um, and, you know, they experience threats from, from, from Russians. So at least they will know that there are people from this agency who they, they can contact and tell if there are any violations um, for, from their uh, occupiers. Um, besides, uh, we feel that Russians will, would want to cut off the plant from Ukrainian uh, energetic system of energy. Uh, because they, they want to steal, basically, um, uh, electricity and uh, to re-switch it to uh, Russian energy system. Yeah, you know, trying to steal the electricity and some of the other things that are taking place seem to be maybe more like long-term goals for Russia, considering, you know, how poorly it's been doing in this, in this war. Uh, and... You know, some have said that what Russia has been trying to do is to use energy as a weapon in this war. And I'd like to get to that in a moment. But first, I'd like to ask you about your thoughts about the counteroffensive that Ukraine has undertaken in the South against against Russia. Um, we hear here in the United States that there has been some significant success in this process uh, in, in the counteroffensive. What's your view? What's your take on what what's been accomplished with this Ukrainian counteroffensive against Russian forces? Uh, well, first of all, it just started, and we need to understand that counteroffense is the operation that needs from us more weapons, more people than Russians who will be, you know, defending uh, basically, but on, on our land, on the occupied land. Uh, basically, we've been preparing for months. 
for this for the start of this operation and uh, um, you know the packages of uh, weapons and the help from United States were also used to build up uh, enough of force to start this uh, operation. But right now it's uh, too early to speak um, uh, you know the names of the villages that are already liberated. That's why our uh, armed forces and our Minister of uh, Defense they ask uh, to be you know on the low PR profile on this operation, not to harm, not to tell uh, in advance uh, you know the names or, or the geographical uh, positions. Uh, but also, we started the country uh, a country attack not only on the south, but uh, also in Kharkiv region. So, um, you know, we have this heat up on the whole uh, front line, which is huge. I mean, it's more than 1,000 of miles uh, long. And basically, Russians right now are uh, in between uh, choosing where to, you know, to give more troops to, to the south or to Donbass. Uh, and, you know, they promised Putin that uh, they will go to administrative borders of uh, Donetsk region to, to have this illegal referendum, you know, to, uh, uh, on the whole territory of Donetsk region. And they have not succeeded yet. Uh, and this, you know, on the south, uh, they right now are losing uh, ter territory that they occupied. So I think the uh, Russians will probably use more uh, missile attacks, for example, on uh, the whole territory of Ukraine to, you know, to threaten, to, to put us uh, in, in the position where, you know, uh, they think that uh, we'll give up on, on this uh, counterattack. So that's why uh, also having the proper air defense system is, uh, you know, it, it is very important. Today, uh, we have the 1st of September, and it's the day when we start school. So since the uh, uh, the beginning of the full-scale invasions, our kids, for the first time, go to school offline. And I think it's, you know, it's a big uh, challenge, but it's a big success as well. Because just six months ago, uh, Russians were telling that they'll be in Kiev in three days. Yeah, you know, there are so many things that I'd like to ask you about, but, but time is limited today, and I know you have a lot more work to do. So a couple more questions I want to ask you. Uh, specifically, winter is coming, and, you know, Russia, we know, at least according to several sources, is allegedly weaponizing energy, you know, cutting off gas uh, in, 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 I think, the Nord Stream 1, um, and, and, and certainly trying to take energy from Ukraine that doesn't belong to Russia. So um, what's Ukraine's plan for dealing with this winter, which if this war is continuing in the winter, it could be hard, harder for Ukrainians. Well, Ukrainians, uh, you know, uh, is a nation that is ready to to go, um, you know, into the struggles because we want to win in the war, so uh, we won't be threatened. Of course, uh, uh, we understand that the biggest threat for us is not just the lack of gas, uh, with help of, uh, um, uh, you know, other countries uh, that uh, gave financial support will be able. Uh, to buy the gas that, uh, you know, we're missing because we're, we're also having the gas of our own uh, uh, gas uh, stations and, you know, of, of, in our country. But uh, what is the biggest threat could be is that Russians could target by missiles uh, infrastructure. 
for example, in big cities, um, from the you know plants that give heating into the houses. If they do that, that that could mean that we will need to evacuate tens of thousands of people if there will be no heating during the winter. But probably, uh, you know, maybe it, it, it will sound um, strange, but I think that the biggest threat for us and the bigger the biggest worries for us is uh, to have our back tower and uh, no, uh, for Europe not to uh, be afraid of, of this uh, um, you know, blackmailing of Putin because uh, Russia wants to threaten Europe with these gas prices. So the people would you know, give up and say to their um, governments, do not support Ukraine because you know, we are uh, suffering for, from the prices. Um, and that is the, the, the big threat for us. So that's why we also ask uh, America to help America, Canada, I mean, uh, you know, other countries who, who are, uh, who do have a gas supplies of their own to help Europe to survive this winter. So we could have our back out. So the last thing um, about the support from the rest of the world, um, there are concerns that this support may go away. Um, what are you seeing? Uh, are, are, are the countries that have promised to help continuing to help? Have you gotten what you were promised? Uh, what's your outlook on this? Um, of course, um, you know, the, the, the position when, when I say that it's enough, it's when we say we want. Uh, so of course it's 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 still the, the help is, is not in the numbers uh, that could uh, help us quickly liberate the land. Uh, so the the you know the, if we get the smaller number of for these heavy weapons artillery, it will be much harder and much longer. Um, so um, but I think that uh, there is also this propaganda narrative from Russia trying to say that the West uh, had already forgotten about Ukraine, they have other problems. And I think it's, it's their game to, uh, to, to, to have this narrative in the air. Um, but of course, uh, we need to plan together with Western countries uh, the help that could be um, not just you know, for days, but for months and years. And not just for uh, the full-scale war, but also to make sure that Ukraine will be able to protect itself after, you know, it, it will be all over. Because Russia is not, uh, you know, flying to the moon uh, from, from uh, we'll be still bordering uh, Russia. But we need to make sure that the Western world, you know, dem dem democracy is well protected. Because it can happen, you know, in five years, in 10 years again, we need to be uh, prepared. Um, and uh, of course, uh, I see from other countries such as uh, Baltic states, uh, Poland, you know, those who are closer to Russia, that uh, they also are, you know, are thinking, you know, uh, will be Europe uh, and Western world united enough, uh, you know, to move and to stay strong. And I honestly believe that there is no point of return, you know, will all the Western world uh, made their decision. So um, it's, it, it just had to be keep going. Well, Minister Kravchuk, thank you for your time. And we wish you continued good luck in this, in this uh, confrontation with Russia. Thank you. Thank you so much. Part two of our story today, the stunning turnaround in the war in Ukraine. Ukrainian troops are taking back towns that Russia had taken over, some as far back as 2014. Russian troops are running.
They're stealing cars, bicycles, and even clothes, trying to get away. We talk with Yuri Sack, who's a special advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense, to find out what's happening. Yuri, thank you for joining us again. There's there's been a lot of developments in in Ukraine since we spoke last a few weeks ago, but um, I understand now from what I hear, Ukraine is making a serious push to take back some of the territory that was taken away, uh, some some of it back in 2014. What's the latest there? Yes, indeed. During the last couple of days, Ukrainian army was, you know, spectacularly successful. Um, around Kharkiv uh, and uh, in the Kherson region. So uh, the counteroffensive around Kharkiv has been very, very successful. We have pushed the enemy back all the way to the Russian border in some places. So the depth of the Ukrainian army penetration is about 50, sometimes 70 kilometers. We have been able to recapture over 2,000 square kilometers only within the last uh, 48 hours, maybe a bit more now. But since the 1st of September, as our general, as our commander-in-chief, uh, General Zaluzhny, said yesterday, we have been able to regain uh, 3,000 square kilometers of our land. So this is this is like a counteroffensive blitzkrieg, which Ukraine has conducted spectacularly. And, uh, you know, uh, both military experts as well as our uh, officials, uh, like our Minister of Defense, Mr. Alexei Reznikov, they say that this is probably the biggest setback of the Russian aggressive army since their retreat from Kiev region earlier in April. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, and ev- every hour, every hour, essentially, we are getting reports of new and new um, Ukrainian villages and cities being liberated. Right. What do you think is the reason for this spectacular success that you're talking about? There are two factors, two main factors which um, have determined uh, this success. Uh, one of them is, of course, the military mastery uh, and skill of the Ukrainian army. Uh, we have proven again that the Ukrainian army is really good at planning and strategic, um, uh, conducting strategic operations. Uh, so that's number one. And of course, determination of the Ukrainian army, our willingness to defeat the enemy, to drive the enemy out of our uh, homes, out of our country. So that's number one. Number two, of course, is the military support of our international partners uh, and U.S. leading the way in this uh, context. So uh, Ukrainian army, our skills and our determination combined with the Western modern weapons uh, resulted in a very, very fast progress of the Ukrainian army in, in those directions. So so this is, uh, again, has as you said, has been spectacular. How, how long do you believe the Ukrainian army can maintain this kind of success, you know, with these weapons and, of course, with the expertise that the Ukrainian army is bringing to this fight? How long do you think this is can this can be sustained? I wouldn't want to speculate or make any forecasts because this is still a war and, uh, you know, um, it, things change very fast. Uh, we have been successful during the last uh, couple of days. Uh, of course, we will do our best to achieve as much progress as possible to use the momentum and to keep going. 
Russian yeah. army is fleeing. Russian army is fleeing chaotically, right? They it seems like they're desperate. They have no idea what to do. Their command uh, is quiet. They, their propaganda is lying. Their Ministry of Defense is spreading some stupid explanations about what is happening on the battlefield. They're saying that this is regroupment, this is redeployment of Russian army, but in fact, they're fleeing in large numbers, abandoning tanks, abandoning armored vehicles, abandoning their own soldiers, you know, and even their killed soldiers. So this doesn't look like any pre-planned military activity on the part of Russians. This looks like a, a flight. Uh, yeah. And uh, as for how long we will be able to sustain this tempo, um, you know, we, we will see. We will keep going until we, we can. Uh, hopefully, we will liberate as much of our land as possible. But look, we are seeing that Russians, you know, uh, and this is this is the true essence of the Russian army, right? They are unable to fight on the battlefield. So what they're doing is, of course, they're resorting to their uh, proven tactics of uh, missile terror. And uh, yesterday, you know, uh, they have struck Kharkiv and they're striking now the uh, vital critical infrastructure. So, for example, Kharkiv, the second largest city in Ukraine now, is cut off from electricity. The subway has stopped, uh, and uh, you know this is this is another proof that Russia is a state uh, is a terrorist state. They they they're hitting civilian residential areas and critical civilian infrastructure because they are uh, you know what's the word. Uh, they feel desperate. They they have they have nothing else they can do. So they are just uh, as weak as cowards. They are uh, striking yeah. missiles. Yeah, I, I know you. I know you um, haven't been in these villages where you know that have been liberated in the last few days. But I'm sure you've heard from your your comrades and your colleagues about the elation that people have expressed in these villages when they've seen. Ukrainian troops coming and, of course, the Ukrainian flag being raised. Can you give us a description of what you've heard from your colleagues about this? Absolutely. Uh, for every Ukrainian soldier who is now involved in this uh, deoccupation military operation, in this counteroffensive, it is heartwarming to see the response and the reaction of the local people who are uh, greeting them with open arms, you know, and these are sincere feelings. You know, people who have been living under the threat of terror and uh, uh, looting and everything for, for a long time in some of those places, right? So, uh, but look, Russians, are, even now, as they're fleeing, so that you understand, they are stealing people's cars, you know, so they, 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 they are abandoning tanks, but they're taking people's uh, cars, you know, like, uh, so that they have a loot uh, from yeah. this war. Uh, so it's it's uh, of course uh, those people who are now in, in the liberated uh, villages and towns and cities they're very happy that the Ukrainian army is back. But uh, for Ukrainian army, of course, you know, and, and I will repeat, this is a war. Uh, it's one thing to retake the terrorists; it's another thing to kind of keep the control over them, right? And and yeah. this this will be uh, very important in the coming weeks. Yeah, you know, there's. Um... There's really there's really an interesting story here with, you know, the tanks being abandoned, the armored vehicles being abandoned. I saw the other day where some Russian uh, soldiers were stealing bicycles to try to get away. And you can't really get very far on a bicycle, considering the kind of technology that's being used to hunt down Russian tanks, et cetera, et cetera. So um, and I and, and I saw that there were POWs, et cetera. So um, one one final thing I'll ask you about this. 
Uh, how, how would you characterize Ukraine's plans for dealing with these troops that are being caught right now? Well, those who, who will surrender, they will be accorded treatment uh, in line with the Geneva Conventions. You know, we are a civilized nation. We adhere to the international law. And uh, despite the fact that, of course, we hate these people because they have come to our land and they have been killing our people, uh, we understand that Ukraine is part of the civilized world. And Ukraine must abide by those rules because the international support is contingent on us being part of the uh, membership of the, you know, civilized nations. So, uh, you know, our feelings, we can put them aside and with cold heart and a cold mind. Uh, we will uh, treat them as prisoners of war. And of course, uh, you know, our leadership is encouraging, you know, like, for example, we've had reports today from our, uh, one of the deputies of the Minister of Defense that uh, Ukrainian multi-launch rocket systems are now firing rockets uh, uh, and each one contains one uh, 1,500 leaflets explaining to the Russian soldiers how to surrender, you know, and they don't have to die. This is our message to them. They don't have to die in a war which is unjust, in a war which is aggressive, in a war which was concocted by their crazy, deranged leaders. They have to, they can surrender and they will be given food, they will be given, given shelter. And when the time comes, they will be exchanged for the Ukrainian prisoners of war. Okay, and the very last thing I'll ask you briefly, uh, Yuri, is uh, about the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. It's been in danger for months now, and this danger seems to get worse each week. What's the status of that plant right now? Well, you know, there was a mission of the UN uh, uh, International Atomic Energy Agency, and they've inspected this uh, atomic plant. And uh, at the moment, um, from what I understand, during the last week, at least, the shelling of this atomic plant has subsided because, you know, the attention now of uh, both Ukrainian uh, army and the aggressors are in different di directions, right? So the Russians are fleeing, Ukrainians are attacking. So, but uh, uh, the Russians still are in control of the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. So, which means that the threat remains. Uh, and uh, we continue to call on the international community to mount pressure on Russia uh, to completely demilitarize, to, to, to get out from that nuclear plant. All right. Well, Yuri Sack, you have been a steady and strong source of information since this war began. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you very much. Uh, wishing you the best. Uh, congratulations on your success. Hopefully it continues. And I hope we can stay in touch. We will. We will. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. Whatever the top national security news in the world is, we'll be doing it here. Is it Ukraine, the Air Force's 75th anniversary, espionage, intelligence, cybersecurity? We'll be on it right here. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter 
It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, Cobra Kai fans, come hear what Peyton Liss has to say on Kicking It With The Coves this week. Peyton plays one of my favorite characters, Tori Nichols. Our stunt coordinators came up with a sort of training background for each character. Mm, like, that's interesting. Uh, Tori had done a little kickboxing before, so that kind of came in when I first tried to take on Miguel and why I was cocky enough to think that, you know, I could come in here and I could just make an entrance. Listen to Kicking It With The Coves now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, and wherever you can sweep your leg and get the podcasts.